Welcome to the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brian Russell, and today I'm going to record a solo cast for you, and I'm going to talk about a series of metaphors that I found really helpful in my own life to think about the deep work that God wants to do in me, and I trust it will serve you really powerfully as as well. And I want to frame all of this under the word that I've chosen for 2021 as my word to remind me of the growth that I want God to do in me, and that word is reservoir. And I came up with that word of reservoir from reading Bernard of Clairvaux's sermon number 18 on the Song of Songs. And in sermon number 18, Clairvaux uses this big metaphor, this contrasting metaphor of of being a reservoir over against being a canal. And he uses it as two descriptions or two ways to think about spiritual leaders and spiritual leadership. A pastor who, or any person, any Christian who serves as out of the image of a reservoir is a person who's deeply formed in God's grace, and he or she is able to then serve other people out of the abundance of grace that flows out of their life. And if you think about a reservoir, and this had been in the medieval period when Bernard of Clairvaux was writing this, you know, you want to think of a, a reservoir as a body of water with raised banks up, maybe even on, on a side of a hill or on top of a hill, and then the water in the reservoir flows over the top. And so it's not like in the modern world where we have pipes that would take water down. So even if the reservoir is low, water comes out. It's the idea in Clairvaux's mind that if we want to be truly live as Jesus's hands, feet, and mouthpieces in the world, we need to take in enough of God's abundance, enough of God's grace, be shaped and formed. And so we live out of the overflow and we minister out of the overflow. So serving others in no way depletes our resources. It's sort of like that old saying that you hear on airplanes all the time that some, if you even pay attention to what the flight attendants say they always talk about the air mass that'll come if the plane loses its uh, its pressure and they always tell you put your own mask on before you help someone sitting next to you and that's that idea because if we serve out of that sense that reality of being a reservoir a person loved deeply by God a person who has deep roots. We can really help other people because, you know, we're not going to pass out from lack of our own oxygen, right? Right? The opposite of being a reservoir is being a canal. And what Bernard of Clairvaux means by a spiritual person who lives as a canal. And again, this isn't just a binary thing. There's there's middle ground and we can slide back and forth between these things. But we, we serve as canals when essentially everything that comes into us immediately flows completely out in the world. And, and that's really easy to do as, as Christians. I know we have pastors listening to this. It's so easy just to take in enough because we can get behind in our work 
in essentially whatever we learn about the scripture, any insight that we get, any work that God begins to do, we just immediately send it back out to everyone else. And, and so at the image of a canal would have been not like canals that we have in the modern world that always have water in them. For Clairvaux, the canal would only have water in it after a storm or at certain seasons when water would quickly flow through it. I like to use the image, I think if he was living today, he would say be a reservoir or be a storm sewer, right? Storm sewers are completely dry except when the water flies through them after storms. And that's not how we want to minister. So that's the first metaphor. Do we want to be reservoirs or do we want to be canals? Or better, are we reservoirs or are we canals today? Only, only you can answer that. Because the danger is, if we're canals, is we end up loving other people more than we love ourselves, right? So if I'm only pouring every drop that God puts into me into other people, my soul can slowly be deforming even if the work that I'm doing can serve other people. I remember hearing Bill Hybels years and years ago say this, and it's just, and it's interesting, you know, unfortunately he's had, he's had some real challenges in his ministry as, as things have come out, but I heard him say, and I wrote this down, it was at one of the leadership conferences, and I think this would have been, this was the early 2000s, and he said this phrase, he said, the work that I was doing for God was destroying the work that God wanted to do in me. Wow, right? And I just always take that to heart. I don't want the work that I do for God. I don't want my Christian life, the values, the things that I do end up actually deforming me. And so like Paul also, you know, like the Apostle Paul has that verse in, in Corinthians, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself won't be a castaway, right? So we want to do practices that put us in that position of being a reservoir. And the rest of the metaphors kind of flow from that. This is in support of that idea of, of being a reservoir. And the, the first thing I'd like us to think about would be the metaphor, this is a sports metaphor, of offense over against defense. Everyone that knows me knows that I love soccer. I've been a soccer coach in the past. I've coached at the high school level. I was able to coach my, my own daughters as they were growing up. I was an assistant to my dad. So I've always loved soccer. And the thing that's cool about soccer is you put 11 people on the field and there's, there, in, at least at the highest levels, there's no substitutions, or at least once you're substituted off, you can't go back on the field. So it's 11 players, and when your team has the ball, everybody's technically on offense, and when you lose the ball, everybody's on defense. And so the key to soccer is to set the team up so that you can both score goals which are gonna allow you to win, that's offense. And so you can't win a soccer game if you can't put the ball in the other team's net. But if you can't keep the other team from scoring, you may not be able to win either because they may outscore you. So you have to find that balance between offense and defense because if you only have a great defense, the best you can do is get a tie. Right, And so what does that do with spiritual formation? Well, first of all, when we think about offense, what is offense and spiritual formation? That's implementing 
practices. We might call those the means of grace, spiritual disciplines, healthy habits, creative rhythms. It could be your rule of life, all those different things that we talk about. But it's the practices that we do consistently that open up our lives to God's grace. And when, you know, when we talk about those things classically, obviously it's, uh, we read scripture. So we want to be in God's word in some form to allow ourselves to grow. We want to pray. Uh, we worship. We can fast. We can serve the poor. We can give resources. In addition to those kind of classic means of grace, uh, again, that would include when I say worship, but also include things like um, communion, or receiving baptism at the point of your conversion, or having your children baptized. Those are all the means of grace. But I'd also toss in, and it's important to do some certain contemplative practices like silence and solitude practices. Again, those of you who listen to this podcast regularly know that, I, that two of my go-to practices here that allow me to play offense would be centering prayer every single day at least 20 minutes, and also a deep intentional journaling practice that I do in the morning and I do in the evening. It's sort of a prayer examine type of thing. And, and my journaling practice is super simple, but it's served me. It's I do five things I'm grateful for. Then I write down what's bothering me, what seem to be my blocks. And I just take a couple minutes to write out kind of, and when you write in your journal, you're basically praying to God on paper. So you're releasing that. So I start with gratitude. And then I do a deep dive into my own soul and say, you know, what's bothering me? And I write about it and I release that. And then I write, what's going to make today a great day? Then at the end of the day, I always try to capture three things that went really well. Call it three wins. You can call it three ways you saw God working. But I do that every night to harvest the good from the day. And that's particularly important to do on a day that seems to be tough. So always try to harvest at least three wins out of each day. And then I, I use the journal at night to remind myself, okay, what am I going to take action on the next day? And that nighttime practice allows me then to be able to sleep because I got everything out of my system, right? And so that's part of a means of grace too is sleep. And it also suggests good food and exercise. Don't neglect those things when you think about offense because we want to keep the temple as healthy as possible. And sometimes we're having a spiritual problem. We could be grumpy just because we're eating bad food. So try to eat as healthy a food and make sure you get adequate sleep every day. So that's offense. Now, the defense is also important because you can put all good stuff in your body, but if you're then leaking it out in some other aspect of your life, that's just like having a great offense on a soccer team and having no defense. The other team is just blasting in goals and probably outscoring you because you can't out-offense a leaky life. And so one of the questions when I think about offense and defense that I like to ask myself, and I encourage the people that I, that I serve in my, in my coaching business and my, also my mentoring of students at Asbury Seminary, is I always just ask this question, what is it that I'm tolerating in my life right now? You know, where are the leaks? Am I taking in things that I shouldn't be taking in? Am I hanging around people that I really shouldn't be hanging around with? Am I... 
um, and going to places that I shouldn't be in. Again, those are sometimes those are obvious things, but we want to actually be thinking specifically, where are my leaks? And you want to eliminate that. So that's that second metaphor. You want to be a reservoir. We got to construct both an offensive plan and we also have to play defense in our spiritual life. And don't neglect those two things. A third metaphor, and this is related to the offense piece, but it's 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 the idea that we always need to build a spiritual wood pile during the good times. There's so many old uh, classic stories, like the story of the grasshopper and the ant. And if you remember that story from uh, childhood, it's that fable. The ant works diligently during the good times, uh, whereas the um, grasshopper doesn't. And when winter comes, the ants got a store of stuff, the grasshopper doesn't, and it passes away. And so you want to think about chopping wood. When I was growing up, we had a wood-burning stove in my house. My parents were frugal. Again, I don't know. I, I never got the impression that we were poor growing up. We always had plenty to eat. We always had cars. We had a house. We took you know modest vacations. But I think one of the ways my parents did that is they were always trying to save money. And so in the summer, we would go out to my relatives in southern Ohio and chop a tree down or two. And we would, and I hate, my brother and I just hated this because it was so boring and we didn't like to work. But my mom and dad would cut firewood and then chop it and then my brother and I we were very young we, we would have to carry the wood and put it on a trailer and then we'd put it back behind the house but my dad always made sure that we had enough wood to carry us through those cold northern northeastern Ohio winters and so the goal with a wood pile is you know you want to get all the way to spring and still have wood back behind the house and I only share that because when I look at my own life and you can listen back to previous episodes where I talk about my dark night of the soul time, uh, the, the painful places I've had in my life, um, where after it was over, I felt like I literally was down to my last piece of wood, but I still had wood. So when the times are good, don't neglect your spiritual formation because you never know where life is suddenly going to throw you a curveball and you're facing some huge challenge or painful time, and you're gonna be really glad you build up a wood pile metaphorically back behind your house to get you through the winters that do come from time to time. Another mistake or image that I wanna use in spiritual formation is the idea of a marathon over against a, sp a sprint. And sometimes we make the mistake of treating our lives like it's a sprint and then we become over busy we have to do everything today you know we forget and there's that saying that i find really helpful for myself most of us overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in a decade so for spiritual formation you don't ever want to treat it like a sprint because that's the best way to get burned out. If you go around sprinting all the time, you're going to be exhausted, your muscles are going to ache, and you're going to give and you're going to give up the very things that probably have real promise for you. So don't feel like you have to go with the latest and greatest fad that you have to add more and more to your spiritual life because you don't want to sprint. There's no sprint. There's no quick fixes. It's a long game. 
The key with spiritual formation is small things done consistently over time will yield spectacular results in your growth. So treat your life like a marathon. Again, we want to be intentional because, again, you don't run a marathon um, by just like not doing anything. You're still going to be training, but you want to think, I'm making, I'm going the distance. You know, like I'm 52 right now. I don't, my, my life isn't a sprint. I don't have to do everything by the time I'm 53 or 55 or 60. I'm playing a long game here. And if I'm going to play a long game, I'm going to approach my spiritual formation a lot different than if it's going to be a sprint. And I would suggest that you do that too. So are you playing a long game or are you playing a short game? Are you living your life like you're running a marathon or are you on the verge of blowing out your body by trying to run a marathon by sprinting? I can remember when I first started playing soccer again as an adult. I'd grown up playing and I was coaching, but when I was 40, I decided, hey, I'm going to get back on the field. And I can still remember the very first game. I, I got out there, you know, I had my skills up. I'd been practicing, but like literally, I just started running around like a crazy guy. I was so happy I was out there playing. And then, like three minutes into playing, I just felt my chest pounding. And I was like completely out of breath. And I thought, whoops, shouldn't have been sprinting. So play marathon, play long game. So what would your life look like? What would your ministry look like if you approached it as a marathon instead of approaching it like it's a sprint? Related to that metaphor is one of my favorites, and I got this from one of my... Uh, uh, persons have the privilege of, uh, of, of coaching. Her name's Patricia, and she has this wonderful garden behind her house. And she's taken time to cultivate a beautiful space. And one of the things that she's done is she's planted both fruit trees and she's planted flowers. Now, flowers give you almost instant gratification because you can plant flowers you know every spring you can go to the nursery bring flowers home put it in there you get instant color but what happens to flowers they're here for a season and then they die and they wither away right fruit trees take patience it takes you know you plant a baby fruit tree again you can sometimes you can buy an adult one but it's still going to take multiple years before you ever see the fruit off the fruit tree you plant. And if you're older, you may be planting fruit trees that are gonna be for the next generation to enjoy. But that's the whole point. When we think about spiritual formation, when we think about being reservoirs, when we think about playing a long game in a marathon, we wanna make sure that we're not just planting flowers that are gonna be here today, gone tomorrow. We wanna to be cultivating fruit trees, shade trees that are gonna bless the future, that we may not have to, that we, we, that we will not see the fruit immediately, but will be there for generations to come. So in your spiritual life, are you planting fruit trees or are you just planting flowers? Again, you can have both. But make sure you have some fruit trees too, that things that are going to stay the course.
back in September of 2021, so just a few weeks ago, I had, my, my wife and I, we got to celebrate our 10 years since our very first in-person meeting. We met at a, at a Panera. And for the 10th anniversary, obviously we went and had a fancy dinner, but I wanted to go back to the very Panera where we had our first coffee meeting just to see if we liked each other, if there was any chemistry. And you know, thank goodness there was, that was such a wonderful time. But as we were driving to Panera, just to kind of recreate that pivotal moment 10 years ago or when we first met, uh, the tire pressure light came on on our Honda Civic. And, you know, I've been having problems and we've lost uh, several tires for whatever reason in Orlando. So I had a lot of flat tires. So the first thing I thought is, oh, my goodness gracious, I got a flat tire. Boy, this is going to ruin our 10 year date. But here's the cool thing. You know, the, the tire pressure light goes on. And so I went to a gas station to check the air pressure. And what was amazing is when I got out of the car and walked around, I couldn't see any problem with any of the four tires at all. Uh, and, and so I knew I didn't have a flat, which was great. And I went around and I checked the tire pressure and I finally found one tire and all literally all it was down. I think our tires are supposed to be at like 33 pounds or whatever. I think I found one tire that was at 29. And I thought, wow, I'm so grateful. Honda is, has built such sensitive sensors into the cars now that even if your car just has a slight loss of tire pressure, and this had nothing to do with the flat, this was just kind of, it had been you know, several thousand miles, so a little bit of air was gone from the tire, my tire pressure light is going off, so I was able to fill the tire up well in advance of having any kind of problem. And I thought to myself, wow, that's a great metaphor. What's the equivalent of a tire pressure warning light or a check engine light on a car? What's the equivalent in my spiritual life? Because wouldn't it be fantastic if you could have a means of catching yourself way in advance of having any kind of backsliding or problem or challenge come up in your spiritual life? And I thought, what's my check engine light? What's my tire pressure warning light in my life? And, and I thought, you know what? It's, it's looking at my journal. As I said earlier, um, my, one of my go-to practices is both centering prayer and a journaling practice. And, you know, you can see my journal. I'll just show a couple pages here. But, like, um, this, was, this was from this uh, a couple weeks ago. Like, here's 1010. Uh, 10, 11, 10, 12, uh, then 10, 13 is the whole other page, and then uh, 10, uh, 14, and 15 go all the way through here. And so as you can see, it, I do a, a, at least a half a page every single day, and sometimes it's a lot more. And I write down that I did centering prayer. I just kind of record things. I, I, I'm very analytical, so I like to track stuff. I like to track my progress. And I love journaling because you can go back and read from past years. But I realize that's my check engine light. Because I went through a, 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 a kind of a frustrating time in the middle of this last summer. And what was interesting, you could see it in my journal. Because literally, I got almost 10 days just on two pages of the journal. And you just saw that, hey, you know what, on a normal day, I'm doing about a half page. So I realized I, got, I have a check engine light. My check engine light is I can just look at my journal and say, hey, 
am I reading scripture? Am I, am I staying in the word? Am I doing my centering prayer? Am I actually journaling intentionally and putting enough time in that it can actually reap its rewards? Or am I just going through the motions? And I could see during this tough time, I was just going through the motions. So that's a signal. So you want to have some way of having a signal. You know, I used to like the, um, uh, the, uh, the show, and I can't even think what it was called, but they had, there was a, a family uh, in space, and, uh, and uh, they had a, uh, a robot that would say, danger, 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 Will Robinson. That's what your check engine light does. It gives you a warning way in advance of something going wrong in your life. Let me give you one more idea here, and we'll wrap up this uh, solo cast. Again, we want to be reservoirs, not canals. And so I think the last thing um, that I want to talk about is the idea between uh, gap and gain. And this is an idea that I got from strategic coach Dan Sullivan, and there's a great new book out called Gap in the Gain, uh, but, or you can just take this idea. It's the idea that when we're thinking about our spiritual formation, sometimes it's easy to get frustrated. And this is where even spiritual sloth can come in because we can just feel like, wow, I'm never getting anywhere. Because uh, when we think about growing in grace, when we think about becoming a reservoir, what we're talking about is growing in love, love for God, love for neighbor, and love for self and I would suggest that that's almost an infinite goal that there's always going to be room in our lives to expand in love and that that's all eternity so like if you think about it, it's like going to the ocean you can dip your toes in you can get knee deep chest deep and even after you get fully immersed you can continue to head out and there's always going to be more and it's kind of like chasing the horizon right if i'm walking into the ocean or paddling out and i'm going after the horizon that's like it is that's what it is like to grow in love it's all you're never really going to get any closer because the more you learn about love the greater the gap is to what being fully loving becomes and that can get really frustrating right so the key is you want to turn around and look back to the beach to see how far you've gotten. That's the difference between the gap, the gap to where we want to be over against the gain of how far we've come. And I, and I would suggest a lot of us only see our inadequacies. We forget how much God actually loves us. So we need to turn around and remind yourself of how far you've come in your journey with Christ, right? We're always going to need God's grace. You know, another illustration that's similar is like I wear glasses, and you know, and so like I, you know, they look fine right now, but if I like just simply hold them up to the light, I can see how dirty these are, and that's kind of like it is in our relationship with God, right? Even when we're growing in love, the closer we get to God, really, we can see the further the gap gets bigger because we can see ourselves truly as we are. And what are we always going to be? We're always going to be persons in need of grace. That's why I love the Jesus prayer so much. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm always going to need that prayer. 
no matter how much sanctifying work that God's done in my life, I could be freed from all kinds of things, but I'm always going to be a person who needs to beat his chest just like the Pharisee did and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But there's also the gain, and that's the insights that we can get about ourselves and God, and there's that other side of the picture too. That's And I love that prayer from Macrina Vedercare. God, help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it is. So as we work to be reservoirs, friends, we want to uh, think about these different metaphors that we've gone over and open ourselves up to ongoing growth and grace. I hope this has been helpful. Again, these are just ideas, right? The work's going to come in when we set intentions, right? So we need to live with intention. If you want to be a reservoir, you have to live with intention because it's easy to be a canal. You don't have to do anything, right? So where are you at in your spiritual life? What are your rhythms, practices, habits that you consistently do that fuel you with God's grace, that allow God's grace to work in our lives so that we can live as the people that God created us to be. Love to have a conversation with you. If you find this episode helpful, I'd encourage you to share it with others. If you want to find out a little bit more information about some of the resources that I offer, I'd love for you to check out my newest what my new website, brianrussellphd.com. You can find information about books, resources, read a blog, uh, get information about deep dive spirituality coaching uh, that I can do. Again, if you if I can help you with any way, reach out to me, deepdivespirituality at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Invite you also to check out my latest book, Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. And until next time, live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope to others. Amen.